Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Fluff, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for the Athletic. Actually, not just my coworker, my APSE award-winning <laughs> coworker Jordan was just named one of the. Uh, he got the top ten uh, in the APSEs, which are the uh, big-time journalism awards in the highest category for his breaking news efforts. So, Jordan, congratulations to you. Very Thank cool. You. And uh, I am here at Auto Club Speedway. The Xfinity race is going on. It is Sunday night. The sun is setting uh, in a nice nice orange, yellowish hue over the mountains. Uh, there's snow in the background. I'm in uh, what they used to call G2. This used to be the old driver's meeting room uh, at Auto Club Speedway. It is currently the quietest place at Auto Club Speedway, the only quiet place, perhaps, as the cars are going on outside. But we wanted to get you you guys this podcast uh, ASAP instead of waiting for after the Xfinity race. So here we are, Jordan. Uh, we've just watched the finale, the final cup race at Fontana. What did you think? It was great. It was everything you want to see out of a race at Fontana, and you hear a lot about Fontana, and it's you know it's got its wide surface, and drivers can race two, three, four wide, and five wide sometimes on restarts, and in multi lanes, and it's really a driver's racetrack, and you saw all of those characteristics come to fruition today, and it was it was the epitome of a great race on a two mile racetrack. It was everything you want, and we saw a terrific battle. The end of the race was not as good as as the beginning and middle stages um you know kyle bush kind of ran away with that there at the end but it was still a very very good race i mean to me it was better than perfectly acceptable first of all um, <laughs> it was definitely better than perfectly acceptable you know this race i was just watching large portions of it today and i was like man this is i i'm getting everything i want out of a nascar race right now like out of what i think of as sort of, I guess, what has now become sort of the traditional old school NASCAR race. Even though it had stages and double fire restarts and it looks different than maybe true old school races, um, this was real racing to me. Like, drivers had options. It wasn't all about clean air. Clean air certainly helped, but it wasn't all about it. I mean, you you saw guys go to the back, even get laps down and able or were able to come back through the field. Um, the restarts were great. Uh, you know, the things you mentioned, right? Like you, you're seeing, you know, it, it, it was, it drivers were saying this weekend, like if you were going to describe a perfect racetrack, you know, you ask all the drivers, Oh, what's, what's your perfect racetrack? Describe it without naming a place, <laughs> you know, worn out surface, wide lanes, you know, multiple options, multiple grooves, um, the ability to, you know, take it where you feel like your car needs to go and really put it in the driver's hands. You're describing auto club speedway. And, um, so sad that this was the final race here. And, 
you know, last time we talked, um, I think I was sort of under the impression that, you know, leaving Daytona somewhere, you know, obviously it was pretty naive in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, you know, maybe if they put on a spectacular race, NASCAR will think, you know, it was so good that we won't, you know, we won't tear it down. Let's, let's figure something else there. Let's hold, let's put this off another year. Let's just see. No. But on the plane ride down here, the news breaks from Sports Business Journal that uh, all but 89 acres of this place has been sold. And then later in the day, the news breaks that that number was, uh, they sold it for $544 million. So as sentimental as I would like to be about it, and as sentimental as the drivers want to be about it and talk about how sad it is, it's also tough to look at NASCAR and be like, yo, you shouldn't take half a billion dollars. (laughs) For this place. I mean, it's, that's, you know, uh, Hey, that's, that's a lot of money. I get it. It's tough, but I get it. It's, it's a whole lot of money and it never made sense for them not to do this. And you, you step back and you push emotion to the side. It just makes sense why you do this. Um, there, there's too much money at stake. NASCAR has spent a lot of money in recent years, including the acquisition of ISC to bring all of these tracks in house, which ISC was a publicly traded company. Now it's owned by NASCAR privately. You look at the other expenditures that NASCAR has, whether it's the Coliseum, whether it's the Chicago street course race, whether it's other proposed street course races, there's a lot of money going out. And at some point you got to bring it in. And I think it's fair to say you look at a lot of these tracks and it's just not auto club, but you look around and these tracks, while the grandstands have been right sized in the last few years, in the last decade or so, the facilities themselves and the grounds that they're on haven't been right sized. And there's a lot of, lack of a better term, wasted ground, a lot of land that is not being utilized. And so why would you not turn around and sell this? And as something we discussed last week on, on, on the show, when you look at the fact that this track needs to be repaved, you know, maybe you can squeeze out another year, but this track is going to be repaved. And when this track is repaved, all of the characteristics that make Fontana great are going to go away. And there is no guarantee that those characteristics are eventually going to come back because we have seen how repays go elsewhere. It's no for sure thing that the great racing is eventually going to come back. So why not put it as a short track? It just makes sense when you when you look at it from all of the different angles. It's unfortunate because today was great. And if you could guarantee that you're going to have the race you had today going in the future, then you can have the discussion. But the reality being what the reality is, it, this is this is the end of an era for Fontana in its current form. Well, I, I do think that they could have squeezed a few more years, not just one more out of it, because, you know, when you listen to the drivers talk about this place, you know, this is not a place with harsh winters, although we did have snow the other day, which was really weird. Um, but, you know, this is not a place where the snow falls and it freezes and it really cracks. I mean, uh, there was so many worries today that there was going to be the weepers were going to be really bad because mm-hmm. in 2008, this race was rain delayed and it stopped raining for hours and they could not get the weepers under control. And it was like, well, if that was 2008 and it still hasn't been repaved, how bad is it going to be now? Um, but, you know, they, they worked on it. They got it dry. They put a lot of saw cuts into the track and, um, you know, the weepers didn't seem to be a problem today, thankfully. Um, and, you know, I, I think the surface is, is actually held up okay. Um, you know, the drivers couldn't say how how far, you know, how many more years they could have gotten out of it. it, it it's, it's not an exact number, right? But, you know, um, I don't think that, that you can look at that as purely the reason. I mean, the, the reason comes back to, to money. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, whether you do it now or, or down the road, um, 
it, it, it seemingly was destined to be sold. They got a good offer, obviously. Uh, so it's unfortunate. Now, I mean, I, I am sitting here. Um, you know, I've been coming to, I think the first time I came to this track was 2005. So, um, you know, and, and I, obviously I mentioned, you know, previously I, I worked at the local paper out here. And so this was, you know, my true home track. I lived about 10 minutes away from here and really, um, you know, so many memories of, of just wanting to be, you know, a NASCAR writer and all this stuff and, and sort of formative years coming here and then being able to come back for visits for so many years afterwards, you know, it's, I feel special connection to it. So I'm biased, but you know, the fact that it turned into a great track after it being so maligned for so many years. Um, I mean, this was like the butt of all the jokes, boring racing, bad attendance. Let's take a race away from it. Why do we come to this place to everybody? It goes out with, you know, uh, two great races in a row. Um, and, and really, I mean, if you look over the last decade, pretty good racing overall, even though there was some that weren't as good in there, but still, I mean, this car with this tire, this package, whatever you want to call it with this surface, this track, it turned out to be the perfect combination. And now just like, you know, we looked at the, the closed chapter sort of on the hail melon, right? Like we'll say, well, that will live by itself and it will, it's lore and legend will grow. This place, too, I mean, Logano had the best point of the weekend when he said something like, you know, 10, 15 years from now. I mean, you you know how NASCAR fans are with nostalgia, Jordan. I oh, mean, yeah. they are people are going to be like, oh, Fontana, Fon-, especially as it gets farther and farther away from it. People are going to be making tribute videos to Fontana. Oh, remember this racing? Remember how good it was? And it was. I'm here sitting here today. It was that good. And last year was my favorite race of the year. So, um, you know. Very sad as the sun is literally setting on this place uh, right now outside the window. I hadn't heard this exactly, but Randall Burnett, Kyle Busch's crew chief, um, in the press conference said he heard they're going to start tearing it down tomorrow. So um, if that's true, wasting absolutely no time and there's really no turning back. And I, I guess that's what I want to ask you, Jordan, because you know you talk about the properties being valuable, and we've we've even talked about Homestead in the past, right? Like. Well, that, sure. that land's Chicago. getting more valuable. Sure, yeah. yep, yep. And so, okay, there's there's a lot of tracks with a lot of land. But, you know, there's been, okay, so you're losing Fontana. You've lost um, Chicago, Kentucky. You've lost one of the Texas races, which obviously not sad. You've lost one of the Michigan races. Um, you've lost Atlanta in its true form in terms of, like, intermediate track racing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the sort of like look i know that we for years we said too many intermediate tracks too many intermediate tracks well now you know this car happens to work really well in intermediates and to me this is more of the pure true nascar racing right so where where are we going to get that in the future you know you've got kansas two races vegas two races homestead one surely you've, you've got darlington um and you've got the one michigan things like that but really um it's dwindling very fast. And I'm, I'm just kind of concerned because let's say, you know, we, you know, we've talked about, Oh, Kansas doesn't really need two races, right? Okay. So let's say they take one away from there. Let's say they take another one away from Darlington. Where do these races start to come from? Nobody's building big new tracks, nobody. And, and like, that's not even, you don't even hear like, well, you know, we could build another two mile speedway. Never. No, no. Like that's probably, that is probably never going to happen ever. Right. Um, they want to build short tracks, they want to build a street course, you know, or take, take it to street course somewhere, you know, maybe try more stadium races. Those are sort of the directions 
that every this this whole industry and the whole world is going. So, are are you at all worried that these are are dwindling and we're not gonna we're gonna get to a point of no return where people go, ah, hey, let's go back to some of these and there's there's nowhere to go. It is a concern because you know to your point, racetracks are largely closing, not reopening. Um, North Wilkesboro and whatever is going on at the National Fairgrounds, and that's a whole different conversation, um, are the exception and not the norm. But I, I do look at the schedule, though, and I, and I look at the fact that you still have a Las Vegas, you're going to have a Michigan, you still have a Charlotte and a Darlington, and, and at least one date at Kansas. You know, like, that's a good number of, you know, intermediate racetracks. I, I don't know how many you need. Um, you know, you look at the schedule, you've got six, seven right in there, like, that's a good mix. Um, I, I'm okay with that. Now, if Las Vegas and Charlotte and Homestead close down and you start these start falling off, I, I I'm going to be concerned because, you, like you said, you're you're not going to see at least in this current economic environment with where NASCAR's at, you're not going to see tracks added or built. So yeah, but I, I look at the schedule and I've been thinking about this: is you're going to probably have six or seven intermediate tracks. You're going to have seven, eight short track races. Um, you've got six super speedway races. You've got five or six road courses. It's like, that's a really good blend of, of different racing. Um, I'm happy with that schedule. Um, if it changes, then I think it's a conversation to be had and there's some worry to be had. But as of now, the way it is and the kind of way it's shipping up, I, I like the mix. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I just feel like when I'm sitting here watching this race today and I'm thinking, man, this is racing. This is this is <laughs> what I like. Yes. Okay. Give me more of this. Sure. Um, and you know that's all those other races you described. They're they're great in their own ways in their own form. But um, you know, I you know I look at super speedways and I'm like, well, that's I mean, it's entertaining, yeah. but it's not real racing to me. Okay. It's you know, um, road courses. Um, you know, they they can be okay, but they're not as good with this car so far short tracks have obviously taken a hit with this car so maybe they can fix that um so you know i i just i just get worried that a lot of what uh nascar was built on in terms of like true badassery and speed and like really drivers being able to show their talent and you know take take the race into their hands we're going to see less of that and in 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 exchange for events which events are very important like the la coliseum like the chicago street race but events should be used for you know maybe growing your fan base and getting more people into the sport but you also you also have to have like the steady diet i think of hey like this is this is actually we this is actually like the competitive we we've we've asked all these drivers who are super, super talented to spend their lives doing this. Let's give them a place to show their talent and show their true skill on a place like Auto Club Speedway. Um, I want them to have a place to race, and I'm worried that th- that those are dwindling. That That's all. So It's a genuine concern. Like It's, it's, it's absolutely, and you see this. And I, I go back to, though, the essence of NASCAR is short tracks. And for a long time, we've always said, we need more short tracks, we need more short tracks. And NASCAR is listening to that. They're, they're do, you know, going back to North Wilkes World, they're trying to go back to Nashville, they're, they're changing over Fontana. And I truly believe it. I understand, I understand the rules package last year was not great on short tracks. Okay. But I, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I, maybe they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. But I am willing to say, 
that NASCAR is going to fix the short track problem. And it's easier to fix the short track problem and give consistently great races on short tracks than it is on intermediate tracks. Because you look at the history of NASCAR, more often than not, short tracks have been better product than the intermediate tracks. And I think that over the period of this next-gen car is going to prove out that that is the case. And last year was not so. And maybe this year isn't the case either. But I do believe that NASCAR is going to fix what ails um, the car on short tracks. And when that does, fans are going to be happy with what they see. And from what we hear about what they're going to do at Fontana, to me, that intriguing. And and I go back to what I said earlier. Like, If you can give me a guarantee that Fontana is going to continue to be what Fontana has been the last handful of years, great. But when they do that repave, everything changes. And we have seen it elsewhere. And there's no guarantees that Fontana is going to eventually kind of get back to where it's at once that repave happens. Hey, look, listen, I mean, if they if they really do follow through and make this into a short track and it's somewhere they put a lot of money into and, you know, it becomes, say, like the championship track, because I think that's probably mm-hmm. what they would do if they really followed through and, you know, um, actually, you know, made it sort of like this world class venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be excited about that, but I'm very skeptical at the same time, because, um, you know, despite everybody saying hey, like we're going in this direction, as we've talked about multiple times here in the last few weeks. Um, there's still sort of no reassurance that it's definitely happening. And everything that, you know, came out this weekend, I thought it was very interesting to see that people could look at it two different ways. For instance, our dear friends, Bob Pockers and Nate Ryan, both ended up seeing the same report um, and they had totally different takes on it. So um, Bob tweeted that he had seen this 7,000 page environmental impact study report mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, uh, in terms of like what this, you know, the reconstruction redevelopment, you know, would do and all this stuff, you know, California, lots of extra regulations, things like that. So Bob had tweeted to somebody like, well, I mean, to, to me, this, you know, if they're going to do this, they're going to do the 7,000 page report. Like, hey, they're pretty serious about having going through this with this. Nate Ryan tweets, you know, he, in his tweet thread about Fontana, which I thought was really good. Um, and he also wrote a great remembrance piece about it um, with him being, you know, he was a local newspaper reporter here um, and covered the opening of the track and the building of the track and all that stuff. But anyway, his take was, so he sees this report and he says, well, look at all the red tape this is going to cause. No way they can get around this. No way they can build this. Like, this is, this is a, this looks bad. Like, this is going to be a roadblock. So, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. Like, it, it, same thing with the 89 acres, right? Like, okay, there's 89 acres left now. Some people would say, oh, well, they left themselves enough uh, space to build a track. And then other people are like, well, that's not going to be, I mean, to make like a world-class facility, uh, there's not really much room there, um, you know, for what they're they're saying they want to do. So I really don't have a, I guess I'm I'm kind of, I, I guess I'm totally like, I'll believe it when I see it type thing, because without sort of strong reassurances from NASCAR and the track, like, hey, this is definitely what we're going to do. This is definitely our plan. This is the timeline. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I just, something doesn't feel totally comforting or right about it. And so when I leave here later tonight, I'm going to be leaving going, wow, this is probably the last time I was ever, maybe the last time I've ever stepping on this property. I, I don't know. And it's a fair feeling because NASCAR has had every step along the way. And you go back to when we first, you and I, broke this story back in September 2020. Um, 
even then, there wasn't a definitive timeline of this is when the remodel is going to take place. This is when it's going to be done by, you know, the first race and the half mile is going to be here. It was a very loose, I think that's a fair description, timeline. And along the way, obviously, there's been a pandemic and it's, you know, supply chain issue and everything else. And, and, and building in California is not easy. And along the way, including a few weeks ago when we talked to Auto Club uh, President Dave Allen, like they have not definitively said, this is when we are going to reopen. This is what it's going to be. These are the plans. This is, you know, this is concrete. Like it's been a lot of a lot of like wishful thinking, kind of like leaving themselves a loophole of saying, hey, yeah, this is what we're hoping to do or this is our expectation. But there's kind of been a little bit of wiggle room there where they, they've left themselves an out. And it's I understand that perspective of why you feel that way and why Nate feels that way. And I also get it from Bob's perspective. And this is I, I've seen a lot of the plans in the last couple of days. I've done a lot of research. I've talked to a lot of people and I understand that this is something that NASCAR feels that they can do and that they can sell off this large parcel of land and still have this area for a racetrack and make it work. And they understand it's going to be expensive. And they understand that they need to be in the LA market and they need to have something viable to be there. And they believe that they can build this half mile racetrack. It's going to be in the LA market. It's going to be a championship caliber facility and they can do great things. But I, I also understand, like, this is going to be expensive. And it feels like it's going to be one of those things of when you start going down this road and the costs start adding up, you've got to wonder, you don't, at some point, do they just say, is the, really, is the juice worth the squeeze? And until you get a definitive commitment that saying that, hey, this is going to happen, um, those questions are going to persist. And I think it's fair to, to have those questions. Right. I mean, they end up spending, you know, $400 million on Daytona Rising. And obviously, Daytona is a bigger, you know, grandstand project, right, than than Fontana would be. But, you know, since they built, you know, Daytona Rising, construction costs have risen quite a bit. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, all the regulations and the hoops they'd have to jump through here, um, you know, it's quite an investment. So, you know, it's been pointed out to me, well, hey, you could take that $544 million and, you know, yeah, I had said something, well, you don't really want to have to tear down and build the Coliseum track every single year. But I mean, what do they spend a few million on that or mm -hmm. something? You know, you could spend five million is what I've heard. You could you could build that track over and over and over and over for years uh, with the five hundred forty four million um, that you, you got. So, you know, without having right. to build a permanent thing at all here. Now, again, I, I don't think that that's I don't think that's a viable long term solution and a replacement because I I have said on this podcast you know i don't think it should be a points race there and there's no pit road and things like that you know i it think it presents challenges for sure yeah um you know irwindale people you know at the tweet up and things like that really want to talk about irwindale a lot um again like i i think that's that's a nice thought but irwindale was just sold too um to a mm -hmm. developer and so unless nascar can come buy it from the guy they already sold it to irwindale's on the chopping block and it's it's not long for this this place maybe it's and a it temporary solution but i don't know yeah and and let's be honest like irondale's great and i've talked you probably same conversations i've had like irondale's great it puts on great racing it'd be perfect okay but one you have to buy it back and two you're going to have to pour money into that as well right i mean you can't have i think it what is it jeff six thousand seats there that's my understanding yeah mm -hmm. yeah so i mean you need at least 
let's just be generous, 25,000 more seats, you know, you're going to have to figure that out. And then there's other accommodations you're going to have to make to, to kind of up, up build it a little bit. I don't know. It, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Um, but you know, I, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I would like to say definitively that this is going to happen. I, I believe that Fontana is going to be remade and it's going to be a, a half mile racetrack and NASCAR is going to be back there in 2026. But I tell you what, if six months from now, or a year from now, we find out that the plans have changed, I won't be shocked. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's just hard to think about, hard to think about. It feels like I, you know, all, all weekend here, it feels like, um, you know, sometimes you, you like you, you have your house or something and you've sold it, but you haven't moved out yet. You know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, that the deal's already done. You're going to be moving out of your house. You know, you've like loved your house for a long time. Something, you know, like say like your childhood yeah. home or something, right? Uh, you're leaving it and, but you can still stay in it for a few more days, few more hours. And that's what it feels like here. Like, I'm just like, man, all these memories. And, and, you know, that's the thing you, you can't, you can't step back. You can't say, Oh, I'll come back later. Cause somebody else just, it's just going to be a new owner. Like, no, the people that bought your house, they're going to like gut it. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be the thing. Yeah, it's not going to be there anymore. Uh, yeah. so you can't go back and relive your, your past or whatever. Right. And so, yeah, I've been taking pictures of, I took pictures of like the, the media center cafeteria. I came on a job oh, interview geez. here. No, I mean, I'm nostalgic. I, I am like, I'm sentimental. I, my, the job interview I had for the newspaper out here, um, in the summer of 2005, they were getting ready to do the labor day race, um, out here. And my future boss, my sports editor who has now passed away, Louis Brewster, uh, he took me to the cafe, the, the media center here. Cause they, they had some event, uh, the day I was interviewing. So like, you know, Gillian Zucker, the track president was there and they were, they were doing something to promote the race. And I was like, Oh man, this place is cool. Like, you know, it was still pretty new at that time. It was only what, eight, eight years old. So, um, it was still very red and shiny and sparkly. Uh, now the paint has faded and you know, it's, it's starting to show its age for sure. But, um, you know, just stuff like that. I'm like, man, that's where I sat or that's where I, you know, I've told you the story. This is where I got my hard card pulled the first day I had a hard card. Um, I don't think I've heard this story. Oh no. Maybe. Tell oh. me it again. Okay. Well, I don't want to take up too, too much of everybody's <laughs> time, but um, basically, then we'll get into, but then we'll get into Kyle Bush, I promise. Um, okay. So, you know, back in the day, um, you know, it, it was it was pretty h- tough to get a NASCAR hard card. A hard card is our media season pass, right? And um, I was, I had been covering NASCAR for three years, you know, on a partial basis. So I'd be covering like seven to 10 races a year. Um, first in a small newspaper in North Carolina, and then I got a job out here. And, um, so NASCAR said, you know what, you've covered enough races This is your third year doing like a partial type schedule. Um, this was in 2006. Um, so like, you know what, we're going to give you a hard card. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I got one. Like I'm, I'm official now. Like, wow. And, um, so the, it was in between happy hour cup practice and the Xfinity race and the Xfinity series race was, uh, the Xfinity series stage was on the apron, on the track apron and the crossover gate was open and the stairs were down. Um, and I decided, well, I'm going to walk across the track to the other side to get to the other side. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I start walking across the track. Nobody's out there, but I don't really think anything of it, you know, cause it's like, you know, practice is over and they're going to start the Xfinity race soon. 
And uh, I get almost to the crossover gates and somebody grabs me from behind and they're like, hey, what are you doing out here? And I'm like, uh, I, uh, I, what, I was just walking across. They're like, you can't be out here. This is a hot track. This is cleared for pace car rides. And just then, like, <laughs> a pace car comes out of turn four and, like, blasts by us <laughs> at, like, over 100 miles per hour, it seemed like. And I was like, oh, whoops. So this guy, like, takes my hard car and he's talking into, like, the little uh, microphone thing on his uh, jacket. It was like a, N- a NASCAR security guy. He's like, I got a Jeff Gluck here. What do you want me to do with him? Okay, the hauler. Okay, so like he's like, you're going to the cup hauler, and I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like I was just, you know, so I was like shaking, you know. So they take me to like the cup series hauler, and I go in there, and uh, eventually they bring in John Darby, who at the time was the cup series director, and uh, he, I remember he sits in this big chair. And he kind of like swivels it around and he has my hard card in his hand. He's like holding it up and he's like, having a hard card comes with certain responsibilities, (laughs) you know? And I just, I remember too, I just read this article by somebody who was, who had, they had talked to, um, talked to a bunch of drivers about what happens when you get called to the hauler. Like, what do you do? And all the drivers had said, Oh, you just shut up. Like, don't argue with them. Don't say anything. Just say yes, sir. So that's what I did. I was like, I'm not arguing. I'm like, I didn't try to, plead my case well the crossover gate was open no i didn't say that i was like yes sir Uh uh-huh sorry so he gives it back and i remember my hands were shaking so much that i could not get my hard card back on the lanyard (laughs) so then i go back to the media center i'm like all like uh and i tell my boss louis brewster i'm like oh my gosh i almost got kicked out of here and um like they almost took you know my credentials away and he was just like he rolled his eyes and he was like basically i don't want to swear on this podcast but he was like Oh, give me a, you know, effing break, whatever. Like you're the local news, you know, newspaper reporter. They're not going to kick you out of the track when <laughs> on the local news reporters weekend. Like, you know, you're, you're playing too much into this, but I, I so wanted to just get my hard card at the time. I was, um, anyway, so just little memories like that. Uh, one here, here's another one you might like Jordan. One time <laughs> I've never, I've definitely never told you this. Uh, I was in the media center and a PR woman who has been long gone from NASCAR, who used to work for NASCAR, comes up to me and she's like, you know, you're you're kind of a like with your writing, you're kind of like an a-hole like with your stuff. And I was like, oh, I've never I, heard that about anything you've written before. <laughs> ever. And she's like, she's like, you should was just this recently. <laughs> this is probably oh, oh, eight or oh, nine, I would oh, say. Nice to see things change. She goes, you should just lean into that and go like full a-hole. Like just write totally like just be a total jerk. And I was like, I, yeah. I don't think so. And she's like, Oh yeah. Like that would get you a lot farther. Like that's what you should do. Cause you're already, you're already going down that road. And I'm like, uh, um, wrong. No, she was wrong. That's, that's, I can't do, I'm not, that's not me. I mean, I know you think so, but, uh, I would not be comfortable just being like a total skip Bayless, uh, you know, just <laughs> antagonizing hot takes to, just say hot takes, but I think you could definitely, um, you have things you could say. You're very opinionated, Jeff. I know, but I, when I like something, like I like this race, I say, I say good things when I don't like it, I say bad things, but I'm not just going to purposely say, <laughs> purposely say bad things all the time just to like, <sighs> cause it fits my brand or like, no, that's, I don't, I don't want to <sighs> be that. And I don't want people to be like, Oh, that guy is such a jerk. Like, no, I don't, I don't. I mean, maybe some people could do that, but I, I can't do that anyway. Anyway, I could go on, but lots of memories here. <laughs> lots of memories that I'll miss. 
and you know, you only think about those things sometimes when you're there. You're walking around, you'll be like, oh, there was sure. right where this happened. So anyway, I'm sorry. We've talked a lot about this. Uh, let's talk about no, the race. I mean, I, it, it was one quick point. I think you're right. Like it did feel like this week was a lot of remembrances. It almost felt like a funeral. Um, and it, it's weird because again, we don't know, like, I mean, yeah, Fontana in its current form is definitely going away, but the new Fontana still may happen. And it just felt like there was, there was a lot this week of basically kind of saying goodbye and like in kind of a foregone conclusion that whatever is going on in Southern California is not going to include NASCAR going forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, uh, one fitting thing about today seemed like Kyle Busch's win because he won his first career Cup Series race here uh, in 2005, I believe. And that kicked off his, um, that was his first year of winning a race in the Cup Series. Now he breaks Richard Petty's record, well, the one he held with Richard Petty, uh, and wins for the 19th consecutive season NASCAR all-time record. And... In doing so, looks really good, really dangerous, especially mm-hmm. when you group in. He ran well at the, cr- the Clash. He was leading on lap 200 of the Daytona 500 um, and, you know, could have won that race had things gone a little bit differently. Um, and then comes here and, you know, it was it was pretty much he and Ross Chastain were the two fastest cars. And Ross said on pit road afterwards, like, hey, Kyle just got better at the end. We didn't really adjust ourselves out of anything. We, we did fine all day. Kyle got better and um, it was really interesting to talk to, uh, you know, the drivers like Bob asked Chase Elliott, you know, any sort of surprise about Kyle Busch or, you know, what does this say? And Chase Elliott was like, Kyle, but like nobody should be surprised at all that Kyle Busch can do this and reminded people immediately that he's this good. And if anybody was truly surprised or didn't realize that this could happen, you need to brush up on your NASCAR knowledge because this is Kyle Busch we're talking about, and he didn't forget how to drive. <laughs> so it is interesting how quickly, you know, the perception changes, and he seems to have his swagger back. Um, he ran really well today. Um, it, it, it seems like this could be the making of a big season suddenly for uh, the number eight team. It, it does. Kyle seems happier. He seems much more relaxed. And, you know, Kyle needed a change of scenery and it just felt like things had grown stagnant at, at Joe Gibbs racing. And Kyle just wasn't happy. He wasn't performing to his expectations. It just, sometimes you just need something different, right? To be motivated, to kind of get a fresh start. And that's what it felt like when he went to RCR. It fits him. It allows Kyle to be Kyle. You know, RCR is not as image conscientious as JGR is. Kyle doesn't have to be as buttoned up. He can be himself. 
um, which is good or bad, depending on how you look at it, right? But he can be himself. And when you're, when you get to be yourself, you're more relaxed and you are excited and you're energized. And that's what seems to come across from Kyle is he's happy. He's content. He's energized. And he's also somebody who's got something to prove because there was a lot of people that have questioned this move. I, I know I did. And that whether, you know, he was taking a step back and it wasn't so much whether Kyle lacked the ability because Kyle is arguably one of the most talented race car drivers that's ever raced in NASCAR. But a lot of the questions were, one, was Kyle still motivated? And two, was the RCR part of this? And this is an organization that hasn't won a championship since 1994. Um, they haven't gone into the last race of the season with a chance to win the championship more often than not, maybe once or twice since then. Um, it's It's been an organization that largely, they're good, but they're not always great and struggled year to year consistency. They'd have one great year, the next year they'd struggle. And last year, RCR was really, really good, but we didn't know whether that was going to carry over to this year. And so far, they have had speed. I mean, Kyle's been fast in every single race. Often, Dylan is running well. This looks like a different organization. This looks like an organization that is here to stay. And I, I, I really don't want to make declarative statements in, in the second race of the season. Uh, but in, in some respects, I was kind of having uh, flashbacks to, to Trackhouse a year ago when, when Daniel Suarez um, nearly won this race. And Ross Chastain was fast and he had his issues. And we we're like, man, these, these Trackhouse cars are fast. Are they? Can they can they do this every week? And then quickly we realized that, yes, they can. It feels like that's the case with RCR. Kyle's motivated. He's hungry. It reminds me a little bit of 2008 when he was at JGR in his first year there and he got kicked out of Hendrick and he was out to prove people wrong and he won eight races that year and, and won the regular season championship. I don't know if that team is, is capable of that, but this team is certainly capable of multiple victories and I think we saw the first of many this year. I'll tell you what, I mean, we I think we talked about it on our um, our team-by-team team season preview, but I had said at the time, I can only see this going one of two ways, right? Like mm -hmm. they either get off to a fast start and they get momentum and he's feeling good and they have success early or they have struggles early and, you know, the questions start mounting and he's pressing and he's so, you know, driving over his head or, or making mistakes or trying to prove people wrong. And he's so on the chip, it just, it just sours and it's just, you know, he can sort of never regain his form. Um, clearly, you know, his swagger is returning very quickly. His confidence is returning. Um, you know, it's it, it's almost been to the point where, you know, he, a lot of times over the last few years, really, even even his championship season, which he really wasn't very dominant that that last championship season, um, you know, it seemed like something would always go wrong or something. You know, he was waiting for something to go wrong. Like, you know, his only win last year was on dirt when he backed into a win essentially because two other guys wrecked. Right. Um, you know, there was that season where he wasn't going to win a race all year and then he won it at Texas. Right. Um, mm -hmm. a few years ago. So, you know, this, this more feels like, okay, Hey, he went out, he had a fast car. He did what he was supposed to do. He controlled the race and he won. And now it's like, Oh, Oh, I remember that guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that guy is really good for NASCAR is NASCAR is much better when Kyle Busch is relevant because he stirs 100%. people up either way. If he's the center of conversation and people are talking about him, it's good. It causes a lot of controversy. It causes a lot of topics. Um, and, you know, it, it things swirl around him when he's in the middle of it. And uh, if that's what we're going to get this year, uh, I think it could be pretty fun. 
It's great, and, I, and I'll take this a step further. I think NASCAR is better when RCR is competitive in winning races. They're a legacy team, right? I mean, they're a team that longtime fans look at, and they remember Dale, and they remember that the, the, the six championships that Dale won there. And they want to see that organization go back to what it used to be. And Kyle possibly lifting that organization up to those heights is a great story. And there's going to be, it's going to resonate with people. And I think you were there and you can speak to this better than I can. But, you know, if Kyle is able to, to bring RCR back to being that elite caliber organization where you know week in, week out, they're going to be tough to beat, they're going to win races, and maybe they can contend for the championship, like, I think that's going to change people's opinion of Kyle Busch for the better. Well, I thought it was really, really interesting that, um, you know, and I checked with a couple of people on pit road too, uh, to make sure I wasn't just hearing things, but, uh, it, first of all, he got majority cheers for sure when he won, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, people cheer when he wins. Sometimes it's not like he, people boo him constantly. They boo him always in driver introductions, but, um, when he wins, you know, you, there's a smattering of cheers, but this was like cheers and a few boos. Like I would say it was maybe, you know, two thirds to three quarters cheers. And it was like, whoa, people have maybe kind of turned the corner on Kyle a little bit. I don't know if it's that they feel like he's gotten away from Toyota or they view him as suddenly more of like almost an underdog, which is weird to say for Mm -hmm. Kyle Busch. Like they're like, Hey, this guy's, you know, he's had some, some hard times and he's not winning as much so we can embrace him a little bit more now. Um, it's just a and that's weird thing with other great drivers, right? Like Gordon, Rusty Wallace, Earnhardt, like all these great drivers who were booed and hated. When they stopped winning as much, they became more beloved. And so Jimmy maybe too. this is Jimmy turn- Johnson. Jimmy too. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe this is turning the course. I'm I'm really curious to hear. You know, they go to Vegas next week, and and Kyle's a Vegas guy, so I don't. It's not a fair barometer. But when NASCAR goes to uh, Phoenix and Atlanta, I'm curious. I'm really curious to see what the driver intro is like and, and seeing what the reaction is like. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, um, I saw some people uh, on Twitter today in my replies saying, boy, it's really weird to be rooting for Kyle Busch or like, man, I've hated <laughs> this guy for so many years. I don't know why I'm finding myself rooting for him right now <laughs> or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't have the answers to why people are, are saying that stuff, but that's that's what they were saying. And then you could hear it in the stands. So very, uh, <laughs> very interesting turn of, of events there that I, I just not sure I expected, but um, you know, we could be making too big of a deal out of nothing, but I, I think that, uh, or, or just one race I'm saying, but I, I just think that when you tie it to the clash and Daytona, absolutely. you know, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of becoming an early, early pattern, but it feels like they're going to run well, especially when you think, okay, that car won three races last year with Reddick, mm-hmm. Randall Burnett's a really good crew chief. Derek Nealon's a really good spotter. Like they have all the pieces there to do well. Um, and they've off, obviously gotten off to a great start. So um, really things could not have started better for, for Kyle in a way, because any question, I mean, he, he won a, uh, I mean, you, Truex won the clash, but Kyle won a, a points race before, uh, his former team did. So, um, I'm sure he's going to be happy about that. You know, were you surprised that Kyle didn't, I don't want to say take any shots, but didn't kind of give any quips or kind of, you know, backhanded comp. I don't know. And it'll just kind of make any little jab maybe at, uh, the JGR of, you know, how the, how things unfolded there. No, I think he's, I think he's trying to, um, I think he's trying to be a little bit more image conscious at the moment, uh, because he still needs, 
you know, probably more sponsorship, right? Like, or, or more people to come on board, maybe even for next year and things like that. And he can't really, he can't really go around and, um, you know, be super sour and, and saying the stuff that's going to get people all mad. So I think, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he's kinder, gentler by any, any stretch of the imagination. He's still Kyle, but I think he's definitely trying to watch what he says a little bit more and be a little bit more aware of the impact that his words might have and his actions might have. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a point where he, you know, if he keeps winning and Toyota's not winning or JGR is not winning, whatever, he'll, he'll make it known in his own way. But, um, yeah, I think what, what's the point of getting into a back and forth at this point, you know? It's fair. It's a good point. And, but you know, and I know that Kyle sometimes has a hard time holding his tongue. So you kind of got to wonder when it's going to be, when it's going to come. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So very interesting. That's going to be, uh, going to be interesting to watch if he suddenly rolls off a, a couple wins here early. Um, let's talk about track house because I mean, both track house cars in the top five yeah. and Ross Chastain's it on pit road, you know, cause really like, Nobody, there was no practice, no qualifying because of the rain, and nobody knew this was the first true test of okay, what did people make gains in the off season? Was this going to be a, a balance of power shift? You know, the new noses, all that stuff. Ross said, you know, they take the green, he goes off in the first corner and like immediately passes two cars, and he's like, oh, okay, like we've still got <laughs> the speed, great, you know. And uh, Suarez, I mean, they were running up there all day together. Suarez sped on pit road, but came back. Um, Chastain was really in control of the race for a while. And, um, I mean, he swept the stages. Uh, I mean, he, clearly track house doesn't seem to have lost any speed. That's for sure. No, I have this in my notes. And I'm glad you brought this up. Cause this was, this was one of my big takeaways. Probably the second biggest takeaway behind Kyle Busch was the fact that track house looks like they're here to stay. And I, and I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment and, you know, saying, you know, race two that they're, they're going to be the team to beat. But I think this was an important first step because, you know, going into the year and kind of echoing what we said before, that they needed to prove that they were they were here to stay, that last year wasn't a fluke. We have seen teams, and, and Michael Waltrip Racing is a team that always, always pops in my mind, where they popped up, they had that one great year in 2012. Clint Boyer almost wins a championship, wins three races, and you thought, wow, this team is on the rise. They got all the ingredients there, and then it never even got close to that again. And I think it's fair to say, like, you wanted to know, did, did Trackhouse just hit lightning in a bottle last year? Are they legit? And I hate to use the F word, but you ha they have to prove that they are not a fluke. And for them to go out here into Ross, to win two stages, to lead the most lap, for Daniel Suarez to overcome his pit road speeding penalty, finish in the top four, and to have the fastest car, some, two of the fastest cars here, that's big. On an intermediate track like this, um, it, it bodes well for them going forward. And I think it kind of is in some similar similarities to the Kyle Busch situation where if Trackhouse starts the year slowly, there's going to be all sorts of questions. And like, what's going on there? And they're going to have the pressure's going to mount. And then the pressure mounts, you start getting out of your comfort zone. And sometimes people don't respond to that and mistakes happen. Now, though, they're coming out of the gate. Chastain was strong at Daytona. He has a great run here. Like you kind of get the sense that they're in a good spot and they could pop off a win here anytime. You know, there's, there's a few other drivers who we couldn't really fairly evaluate today, but I thought that, you know, they were going to have a good run had things not 
you know, happen to them. Number one, I would have liked to see what Kyle Larson did because he was fast after they fixed their electrical problem. Um, he was like, whatever, 17 laps down. But I mean, Chase Elliott ends up going from 33rd to finish second. Um, mm-hmm. So Bowman had a good run today. Bowman, Byron had, Byron at one point was up there, then fell back. I couldn't figure out why. Then he had to come down uh, pit road. Then he sped on pit road under green while he was doing it. So his day got ruined. But um, the Hendrick cars, I would say overall, I mean, you would assume that if Larson didn't have his electrical deal, he was probably going to finish top 10, if not top five. Mm -hmm. So um, I think Hendrick certainly should feel okay right at this point based on what you saw. I would think so. I mean, again, I mean, they're right in the mix. They're, they're, Chase Elliott was fastest car, and he's closing in Kyle Busch at the end there. You have to be encouraged about what you saw them. I, I have confidence in Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels that they're going to figure this out. You know, it, it's a concern. This was a team that had a few DNF last year on the engine side, mechanical failures. And in race two, they got inflicted. Alex Bowman, second week in a row, strong run for that team. You like it. Um I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of Byron yet. I mean, he didn't have the most impressive Daytona 500, not what we expected. Um, had a quiet day today. I know they had some issues and everything, but it, it, you'd like to see a little bit more of that team. So I think overall, Hendrick has to feel pretty good about where they're at, though. I'm curious how we evaluate Team Penske because Logano yes. and Blaney, brought this up. <laughs> yeah, Logano was really strong at times. Um, and then he ends up fading. I think he maybe was 11th or something. I, you think he finished 10th? Oh, 10th. Okay. Um, Blaney, he you know he got a piece of that wreck on that weird that weird restart wreck or whatever. Yeah, but what? Can we talk about him for a second though? Like this is the problem like, with Brian Blaney. Like they have had again, they had a really fast car today, right? And right. then what happens? They have the issues on pit road. He gets back on track in traffic, gets caught up in that wreck on the restart. And the day goes sideways. Like that happens too many times to this team where they have fast cars, but then something gets them sideways and it snowballs from there. And the next thing you know, they're not winning a race. They're not finishing well. And that's what happened last year too many times. This has happened throughout Blaney's career where like they just don't always have the results that coincide with how fast their race cars in. It's only race two, not a big deal. But that's a worrisome thing for a team that's coming off a winless year where they threw away a lot of wins last year. Well, it's not Blaney's fault that the uh, oh, no, thing not got blaming stuck Blaney under the car one. for the pit stop and they had to rejack it I'm not it blaming up. him. But, I mean, then and then he gets in a restart wreck where it's just stacked up. Um, you know, I, I guess I would have just liked to see, had he had a clean stop that time and he still has his track position, what happens? Could he go contend for the win? Could he contend for the I mean, because he, he was running really well for a while. Um, I mean, there was a few guys. I mean, Denny Hamlin showed some good flashes today at times, although it felt like the Toyotas as a whole weren't really, I didn't really get what I wanted to see from them because Bubba Wallace got up there. They got up, he snuck up into the top five or he was maybe fourth at one point. And then he kind of like faded and ultimately he went to the garage with seemingly an engine problem, but they were dealt with over eating issues all day. So their engine was a little bit lower on power than what they what they as the race was going on they were losing a little bit more power with that car but what about even even when he fell back that was the original problem i thought there was he, well, he had, yeah i mean he just they, they got shuffled out they had an extra pits that they had a longer pit stop there and they lost track position because they had a bunch of stuff on their grill that they wanted to clean off and so they lost track position there and they were never really get it back and then accompanied with them not you know kind of having the engine issues and overheating they weren't able to to get back up there you know, Christopher Bell got in that wreck too. Yep. Um, although he wasn't really, you know, he wasn't necessarily like up there in contention. Um, 
Truex had his problems. Um, came back from but two he came, down. Yeah, he had he came a bad back. race car too. Yeah, yeah. But it was very tough to evaluate them. Um, so I don't really know what to make of the Toyotas at this point. The top Toyota ends up finishing six, which was Denny Hamlin. Um, and then I would sound the alarm a lot more about Stuart Haas racing, um, except Harvick finished fifth and ran pretty well. Uh, but Chase Briscoe, I mean, a few of us talked to him afterwards. He was just like baffled. He was like, because he said his car was driving fine. Like there was no reason it wasn't handling on his car at all, but it was like, it felt like it was slow. And, you know, he was running back. He was running back with like BJ McLeod and the Rick Ware cars at times. Um, really, really struggling. And he ends up coming back to finish 20th, but he was like, like he had this look on his face afterwards, like, geez, what are, how are we? like, we have a lot of questions. We are not sure exactly what happened. Um, but we, you know, he's like, we're, we're a major organization. We can't be getting outrun by some of the teams we got outrun by today. Um, so that, that wasn't good. And I mean, you know, Almirola and Priest both got caught up in that one wreck too. So I don't know what would have happened with them, but I don't think they were really up there anyway. I mean, they were in the, the whole, they were in the back of the sort of the back half of the field when that happened. But yeah, that was, uh, I'm a little bit worried about, about Stuart Haas. I think it's concerned. We have concerns about Stuart Haas coming into the year. Um, and if you're Ryan Priest, and it feels like, remember the clash, right, Jeff? We, we talked about how excited it, Ryan Priest looked and rejuvenated and, hey, this is going to be a great story. That feels like a long time ago. And now it's been two consecutive races, and it's like a lot of time is left. But it's not the start to the year that you wanted when you're kind of in a prove-it year. Um, you want to shake that off. And you don't want to be yourself in a point hole this early in the year. And that's where they're kind of facing right now, where they're, they're in a little bit more of a point hole than you would expect to see out of them right now. And that's, that's a concern. The RFK racing cars, I mean, Brad Kozlowski ended up getting a top 10. Chris Busher was like really, really bad at the start. And then um, they figured something out and they were able to come back up there. Um, so they had some glimmers of hope, I would say. I mean, you know, especially Keselowski, you know, he, he got spun in one of those early incidents with LaJoy and uh, he was able to come back up and get get a top 10 out of it. So um, maybe they, they probably end up feeling OK about that. Um, and I tell you, speaking of LaJoy, despite him yes. being involved in a couple incidents today. Uh, what a great day that that was. I, I think that was the best day in, in Spire's history. And I, I know people will say, well, he, he almost won Atlanta. Yeah, but OK, to me, that's a super speedway. This was a track where everybody's bringing their best downforce stuff and going for it on an intermediate. And they were in the top 15 all day. I mean, they were really up there. He got there. a stage point today. Yeah. Yeah. He, he rallied 10. back like after spinning out and he, he rallied back to get a stage point. That's incredible. And yeah, I mean, they've won a, a race before at Daytona in 2019 with Justin Haley, but that was weather. Right. And this was a great run on an intermediate track where a team like this isn't expected to do well. They were top 15 all day like it was a great day for them they have a lot to be proud of yeah where did that come from that was really interesting um wonder if they can keep that up because right now as it stands um you know because he he basically survived daytona right even though they mm -hmm. had a little bit of damage and things but uh he's he's in the top 16 in points after two he's races higher, so. he's, he's higher than chase elliott christopher bell right now <laughs> yeah i mean now it's you know Kyle, he's got more season, points than kyle larson is that right yeah yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, interesting, interesting development there uh, early in the season. And and I'll tell you what, I mean, 
Stenhouse, I, I don't know where he ended up finishing, but at least for much of the day, he was, you know, around 10th to 12th. Um, yeah, top 15 all day. Yeah, and, and so, you know, for them to come. And he finished 12th. Okay, okay, so yeah, good day for that. I mean, you know, for him to back that up. I mean, he remember last week he was like, okay, well, look, I mean, we just want to get top 15s, right? Like, um, you know, that that's kind of our goal at this point. Or maybe he said that this weekend. I'm getting all my weeks confused. He said but, it this weekend. Oh, okay. He said, <laughs> his goal is to finish top 15, average yeah. 15 place finish. And, that, and that's a great goal. But when you look at the totality of his career, he's never done that ever before. So, And then, oh, by the way, I think it's to say, like, he did bounce it off the wall twice today. Yeah, but, I mean, a lot of guys hit the wall. And, and it's not, you know, when they say, oh, so-and-so scraped the wall, with these bodies and the way that the, the tires don't go down as easily now, um, you know, they don't get cut as easily. Uh, I don't think it's as big of a, you know, somebody scrapes the wall and they keep going. I mean, it's just sure. not that. It used to be, oh, you scraped the wall, they bent, they bent the fender, and now they, they have a tire rub, and oh my gosh, if they don't pit, they're going to blow a tire. You didn't see any of that. Like, the, the guys, when they hit the wall, nobody had tire rubs, right? Nobody had a flat tire no. because of that. So, no, um, I mean, and, and Kevin Harvick hit the wall today, finished fifth. Danny Hamlin scraped the wall at one point, he finished sixth. I mean, to your point, like, you can recover a little bit better now with this car than you could in years past. Yeah, I mean, you, you might scrape off some speed. I mean, Kyle Busch hit the wall at one point. Um, I'm pretty sure when, That's true. you know, he was trying to chase down Chastain the first, uh, at the end of stage two, I think. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it, it just doesn't, if you don't slam it and bend your, bend a toe link, I, I, you're, you're pretty okay. I think. Right. So, um, that, that's a positive encouraging sign. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, what other teams, uh, you know, anybody else you want to to look at in terms of the running order. I, I don't have the internet where I am right now, so I can't see. <laughs> no, we, we talked about really everybody I want to talk about, which is Trackhouse, Ryan Blaney, um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Corey LaJoy. Um, I do want to say again, Martrex Jr., I would have liked to have seen what he could have done today. It looked like he had a fast race car. He overcame two-lap penalty and, and still had a good finish today. Um, I, I like where that team is at. They won the clash. He was strong in the Daytona. Um, that's another team that you have expectations for and I, I think you know they haven't had the results to maybe where they want it to be in points races but i like where that team is at so that those are the things that jumped out to me yeah and also i mean i feel like okay so last year the beginning of the year there was a, so much mystery right of like oh you know who's really good we just don't know yet it's so hard to tell i feel like we're going to get a lot clearer picture um, you know, we used to feel like we'd get out of the West coast swing and have somewhat idea. We wouldn't have to wait as long. Um, I think that could be the case. Like when we get through Vegas next week and then Phoenix, if it's some of the same names running well, I mean, you look at the front of the field today and it wasn't like a bunch of surprises, right? Like you didn't have that moment where, you know, last year in this race, Eric Jones was leading a lot, um, for petty GMS now legacy. You had Tyler Reddick who had never won a race at that point last year, um, you know, leading. You had Daniel Suarez, who had never won a race at that point with uh, a chance to win last year. And, you know, there wasn't that, uh, like, oh, I can't believe that guy's in contention. Mm -hmm. This was, oh, Ross Chastain? Yeah, I could see that. Kyle Busch? Okay, I could see that. Logano, Elliott, Hamlin, guys like that. You know, you're like, yeah, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You know, the usual people that you would name. Yeah, and I, I know it's a super speedway and you're not supposed to really take anything away from there, but you look at the players today, they're not much different than they were in the Daytona race. You know, you had Kyle Busch up there, you had Chastain, you had Logano, 
um, Suarez, Harvick, Hamlin, like Bowman, like those are all Austin Dillon. Like those are all the guys that we talked a lot about at Daytona and that were in the mix at the end of the Daytona 500. Interesting. Yeah, I'm still not. I I, I still don't want to necessarily make no. That I agree, but, but yeah. I mean, it's just it's you know, we, you, it's just it's a coincidence probably more than anything. But the fact is, two races into the year, the same guys are running up front right now, largely. Yeah. Well, again, we'll we'll get a lot more information and we'll know a lot more after the first mile and a half race um, next week at Las Vegas. So, and it won't snow there, so that will be. You sure about that? Well, I guess I can't be sure. I mean, I've been to Las, I've been to the Las Vegas March the March race in Las Vegas, and it, it, it did snow. I, I've seen that, but I guess I, I would say it's not supposed to snow. Although it wasn't supposed, <laughs> it to, wasn't snow. supposed I mean, to snow this weekend. Well, we knew it was going to snow nearby in the mountains. We just didn't know it was going to like. I still that is one of the most. I mean, having lived here, um, not I didn't live here that long, but you know, never, never it comes close. I mean, it never even get in the thirties. So to see giant, like big puffy snowflakes falling, it was so weird. Like everybody, like in the media center and people in the haulers, like they were like walking out to the sky, you know, walking out, looking up at the sky and just watching it like, whoa, what in the world? It was like one of those movies where like uh, the the aliens are coming or something. And all of a sudden there's like Independence Day or something. Yeah. Like everybody like walks out on the city streets. They're looking up like, oh, like everybody just sort of like, what in the world is this? What's going on? Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Well, Jordan, listen, uh, while we're thinking of it, we cannot forget to talk about the good race poll because we've forgotten for two weeks, two straight weeks. We forgot for the clash. We forgot for Daytona 500. We're, we're not intentionally not talking about it anymore. We just forgot, or I did. And, um, people have reminded us on Twitter. Well, how come you guys aren't talking about the good race poll and making your guesses anymore? Um, yeah, sorry about that. I just forgot. I guess we're not in the habit, but, uh, I'm happy to do it again. If you want to, yeah, wanna see, this is what happens when it. you changed everything up midstream last year and you stopped doing it. And then we stopped talking about it. And now yeah, but we know, talked about back it, in that rhythm again. We talked about it for the entire playoffs and I won. Remember? I, I understand that, but you know, you just, you broke the, you broke the streak. It just, you know, it becomes not as important. It didn't feel as important anymore. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, listen, mm-hmm. the poll's back on Twitter for now. If you haven't seen it, it's not on Google Forms because, but I'm just asking people to watch it. If we see any funny business, I mean, people have been sending me screenshots. I'm taking, you know, as long as it doesn't take a weird, like 10% jump after it's already been out there for like an hour or whatever. It's mostly, I think it's mostly, I'm not saying reliable or accurate, but you know, it's, 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 it's what it's supposed to be. Um, Now, if it's out there already for, a few hours and all of a sudden it moves. That means somebody bought votes in my opinion, it's being manipulated. So then we can't trust it anymore. But so far, all right, like nobody mess with it, please. Okay. Anyway, you want me to guess first or you want to guess? I will let you have the honor of going first. All right. I'm going to say 82%. I don't really Oh, ha- Good, good guess. Well, cause uh, you know, I think some people, you know, stage three wasn't as uh, compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was, I, I was fine with it. It was again, better, better than perfectly acceptable. I, I, I was very happy with the race, but you know, some people are going to be like, uh, but I think also you'll get some, um, some people who want to vote yes because they feel like they'll be sending a message like this track shouldn't be going away and you're making a mistake and I'm voting yes. Cause this was a great race. Um, but really like seriously, ob- it, you know, if you're being objective about it, like how was this not a good race? Like, of course this was a good race, right? I mean, why, why was it, in what way was this a bad race? The only thing you can quibble about 
is the fact that Bush, the, the, the outcome was not in doubt and Bush won by three seconds and it wasn't the close finish. And in a race where the top two cars were pretty close and it was great competitiveness throughout at the end, you had a long green flag run and the winner kind of ran away with it. That's the only, and again, I'm not complaining because I thought this has a, like a lot of old school characteristics to it and I was fine with it. But if you were trying to nitpick, I think that is where people would find fault. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I mean, it wasn't a good finish, but again, it doesn't have to be a good finish to be a good race. And I think the racing it was depends good. on yeah, we, it's the eternal debate, right? Like what makes a good race? Is it what happens before, you know, the, the last, all before the last lap or does it come down to the last couple laps? Right. I mean, I would say what makes know, a good race is good racing. I, I, I think today, I think it's one of those races. Like if you don't like this and I don't know what you want out of your NASCAR. You know what I mean? Well, Especially on no, I think it's track. probably the newer, the newer fans who have gotten like the, you know, the Bristol Dirt oh. Clown shows of the world. Oh, and you now know, you're going down the, this road. You're gonna start. You're starting to blame newer fans. They like the the, the the sign falling on the track at the Roval. They like the oh. chaos. They like the the wacky, you know. They like the end of the indie road course and all this craziness. Well, say what you want about Bristol Dirt, but the, the finish at Bristol Dirt was pretty darn good. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, my guess, eighty-five percent, and, and oh, much you're going higher. Reason, okay, I am going to go a little higher. And well, I thought it was a great race. I think people are going to respond to that. And then, echoing your point, I do think there's going to be a little bit of, oh, we don't want Fontana to go away. Why, why are you taking this away? And they're going to kind of, you know, as a way to kind of show their displeasure about this. Yeah, dude, I'm really sad you never got to see this place. I wish you could almost like fly out tomorrow just so you could see it in person, like before it goes away. <laughs> but why it's a race. It'll be fine. It's, it's not, I don't have those memories and the connections that you do. Like it's not the race thing. I don't, to me, it's like, I hear what you're saying. Like your connections to that place are emotional because of the connections. It was, you, you work there. Your first job was there and all of these other things. And you knew a lot of people in the area. Like I don't have that to me. It's just a racetrack. Yeah, but it's a damn good racetrack. Like when you want to see it, be like, a, wow, it has been a good racetrack cool. for the last 10 years. But before that, for the first 10 years or so of its existence, actually probably even longer, it wasn't that great of a racetrack. It didn't put on great racing. Oh, and, trust me. I know. And, and like, and it was, and I, and to me, I look at Fontana and it's a little bit hard because I, I it's, it's, there's like two Fontanas, right? I look at the Fontana now and it's great and I, and I don't want it to go away in its current form. And like I said, you can continue to, to have it as is infinity. Uh, great. But I also look at Fontana as an example of the hubris that NASCAR had when they decided to yank the Southern 500 away from Darlington on Labor Day weekend, which is it's just something you don't do. It's sacrilegious to do that and to move it out to Southern California because, because of why. And the, the track had two dates when it didn't deserve two dates because the racing wasn't good. The crowd was fickle. The crowd stopped coming. Like, So I, I just I feel like the last 10 years or so have kind of shrouded have kind of people kind of forget what it was before that. And to me, that's what a lot of what I think of. No, trust me. I mean, I, I definitely lived through those days and um, you know, it was the butt of the jokes again, like I said earlier, I mean, you know, there was the time when they, they redesigned the California speedway logo to have Hollywood lights in it. And um, you know, people made fun of that because they said, Oh, you're trying to make it Hollywood and you're not even near Hollywood. You're in Fontucky. Um, you know, uh, 
people made fun of, you know, Gillian Zucker, you know, her famous line about, you know, oh, the fans are under the stands and, you know, David Poole and people like that ripped her and, and all this stuff. And, and, you know, I get it. Like, I, I remember, yeah, I would bring my friends from, you know, the local newspaper, like they'd be covering it with me, like the other sports writers and stuff. And I'd be like, yo, you got it like NASCAR, like, we're, like you check this out. We'd go up to the roof of the pit terrace suites and uh, which are, you know, sort of a unique feature that it really only uh, Michigan has, I guess, maybe Indianapolis. And, um, you know, I, I'd stand them up there. They were they're all pumped, like, OK, the crowd's into it. They're starting. They're coming off turn four like they're starting the race. They're like, OK, this is cool. Like, I can see why you like this. And then, like, Greg Biffle has, like, a 13-second lead in, like, 10 laps or something. And, like, yeah. they were just kind of like, really, is this it? And they would just kind of, like, walk back down to the media center and be bored and never come to race again. So I get it. Like, I get it wasn't it wasn't great, but um, it is now. So that's what it's going it, to be remembered it's, as. It's got its moments. Like, I mean, this year was fantastic. Last year was fantastic. But, you know, you go back to, like, 2018. Like, Martin Truex Jr. led over um, 50% of the, rate, the laps, right? Like... And while I, I thought Corey LaJoy had a really good quote about this, when I asked him about it, like, you know, what drivers want out of a racetrack isn't always make for a great show. And while drivers are fighting their cars and they've got great lines and, it's, you know, they're, they're, it's, they're putting their, their skills are showcased, like, more often than not, Fontana, even in its current form, was about long green flag stretches of racing and it's pit strategy and fuel mileage and cars were spread out and you didn't get the quintessential nascar and so while there was exciting moments on restarts and there were some great finishes over the years a lot of that was set up because of late cautions like more often than not though as the race went on the, the field spread out and that didn't make for a great show so I, I just feel like sometimes we just focus on like the finish of fontana's whether it's 2013 um, or some other ones, and instead of we actually look at it and step back and say, wait a second, well, that race, that driver basically kicked everybody's butt that day, and that wasn't maybe that exciting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends what you want out of racing. I, I agree. I mean, there used to be some really painful um, long green runs, especially pre-stages, right? I mean, that was almost one of the arguments for stages at the time. Like, places like Fontana or Texas, it would just go on and on and on. Um, but I feel like since stages have come into play, it's, you know, it's, it's been better. I mean, obviously the restart's spectacular and you're really not going to see them fan out like they do. So I'm look, I'm, I'm personally happy that the track got to go out with another good show that the rain, you know, out of all the day, it's been raining here for a week and, and it's going to rain the next three days. And the one day that it didn't rain here was race day Sunday and they actually got the race in and they're currently getting the race xfinity race in right now even though they had to stay a day later um so look i mean it got to go out on a positive note it will be remembered fondly because of how it went out uh these last few years and you know i i hope that i hope that we come back here and i hope there's they build an exciting track and you know it becomes a, a valuable place on the nascar schedule again because i think southern california's important place to be I agree that this is too big of a market and there's too much importance to to turn your back on the Southern California market. And I think you need to have a presence there. And I don't know if continuing to have the Coliseum host the clash is the way to do it. Now, if you want to have a points race at the Coliseum, I'm willing to have that discussion. I'm not saying I think there's an I think you could maybe explore it. 
Um, but I think you have to have a permanent presence there, um, whether it's at Fontana or another avenue, maybe in Irwindale. But you, you, you cannot not have a race in the second largest market in this country, um, especially at a time when the sport does seem like it's kind of getting its, its legs underneath it a little bit. And by the way, there's also a television contract that needs to be negotiated. And your, your TV partners, they want that. They want a race in L.A. Sure. Well, one final memory, Jordan, as I'm sitting here in the, uh, this again used to be the, um, the driver interview room, uh, before they moved it inside the media center. Um, and, uh, th there used to be, you know, a lot of, you know, th they'd bring the VIPs and the dignitaries in. Um, so I remember the only time that I've ever like frozen up in a press conference and, and been so shy that I didn't want to ask a question uh, it oh, was, I can't wait for this story. <laughs> it was either an, I think it was an Indy car race, not a cart or a champ car race. It might have been a champ car race. I think it was Indy car. Anyway, John Elway was the grand marshal. You know, I used to love, you know, I grew up loving John Elway, right? And uh, he came in for a press conference. And I don't know, there wasn't even that many people in here because it wasn't like NASCAR, it was Indy car. And uh, local California media for racing is not that much. I mean, there's a decent amount. And they're like, any other questions? Any other questions? And I was, I was so frozen, like, John Elway, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't ask a question. I guess I was probably. Were you more fanboying over meeting John Elway or seeing Diplo at Daytona? <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to go there. I just, I, it's a legit it. question because I know how you were acting around Diplo, and so I I'm was just excited. Trying to it was more or less. I was excited that we got to see a Diplo concert. I thought that was cool. I mean, yeah, you know, hey, congratulations, you. I can't win an award for being excited about going to a concert. You can win an award for your hobby, breaking news. Um, hey, but I credit you and our editor Zach Pierce just as much as anything. You guys are great teammates in all sincerity. What is that? It's like. That would be like if you got up and, and gave an Oscar speech and you're like thanking people that weren't even in the movie. Like you were in the movie. You're, you're, I had you're, nothing to do with you breaking the news. You, you and I both know you were instrumental in a lot of this. Oh, please. Give me a break. Anyway, uh, congratulations on the award. Uh, it you. is a major award. Not in the Christmas story sense, but it maybe you haven't even seen that because you hate Christmas. But I have uh, never seen the Christmas story. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I almost, hate that movie. I hate that the movie airs like nonstop during the holidays. It drives me crazy. This guy, this guy, what a Grinch. All right. On that note, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go watch the end of this Xfinity race, post this podcast. You know, we got to beat Denny Hamlin out on the podcast now because he apparently is, you know, getting back to wherever he's going this West coast swing Sunday nights and recording his podcast. And, uh, by the way, we appreciate, I mean, we're getting good numbers still, despite the existence of Denny's podcast. So those of you who are still listening to ours first, maybe listen to Denny's first and then listen to ours. Okay, whatever. Um, we're not Denny. We don't have, we, we didn't just get out of the car, but we appreciate you listening to us for whatever reason. And, uh, we, you know, we now have, maybe we should have like our, our new writer, our new F1 writers on now that finally got announced this week, Luke Smith who was formerly from yes. Autosport. Auto like, we're like huge fans of Luke Smith. He's now working with us, writing F1 for The Athletic, and Madeline Coleman. Um, they're going to be covering the world 
of F1, going to all the races, uh, at least one of them, I guess. Um, so pretty cool for them that they get to travel to, I mean, they're going to be like Azerbaijan and Singapore and all this stuff. Um, you know, it's not exactly Pocono. So, I, you know, I know they'll be jealous of us, but. Um, Romance in Pocono, Jeff. Honeymoon capital of the world. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, everybody, you know, we appreciate you, of course, for listening. And uh, we will talk to you from Las Vegas next week. And, um, yeah, I, I, you, you guys will have to tell me who won the Xfinity race because we're, we're pressing end on this. Hope You know what? We'll come back. If, if the Xfinity race has a crazy finish, we'll come back well, and record it. I, I just want to say really quick, it looks like the JGR teammates, John Hunter Nemechek and Sammy Smith, may wreck each other for the lead. So we may have to come back here. Okay. Well, if that happens... We will come back. If not, talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. See you.